Let me ask you to turn your Bibles to the first chapter of Ecclesiastes as we continue on in this series. Mr. J. Chenault was a longtime member of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, he and his wife. Uh, there will be a funeral service for him this afternoon here in the sanctuary at 3 p.m. And if you'd like to speak to the family prior to that, uh, any time from 2 o'clock on, they will be having a visitation. When we talk about uh, the death of a believer, you can't help but rejoice in what we have just sung, that there is no power, there is nothing, and there is nothing that can separate those who know the Lord Jesus Christ from that great Savior. For that we rejoice. The professor at uh, Westmount College asked on a regular basis the incoming freshman class this question. The idealistic incoming freshman class this question. What would you like to get out of college? Spiritual inspiration, maybe? He'd say, great, I'm all for it. But if that's your main goal, you might want to go on some kind of spiritual retreats for deeper life retreats or summer conferences. That might be a better place for you to achieve that. Maybe you're coming for fun and good times and friendships and recreation. Good. That's, that's not a bad thing to want any of those things, but he would say to them, if that's really your goal here, you might want to join the local country club. It would be a whole lot cheaper than going to college here. Maybe facts or knowledge, he would say. Maybe that's why you're coming here. If that's the case, he said, if you're looking for facts, it might be a whole lot better to just get a, a good, complete, unabridged encyclopedia and study that and memorize that. You will get a, a whole lot more of the facts that way. He would then go on and talk to them. He said, I, I could not guarantee to them, these bright, bubbly young people, that they would come away with a huge amount of facts. I hope they would. I couldn't guarantee to them that they would have friendships and recreation and, and lots of fun. I hoped they would have all of those things. And I certainly couldn't guarantee that they would have spiritual inspiration, although I wanted that for them as well. But he would say this, what I do guarantee, and this always shocked them, is you can be sure that one thing will happen to you if your college education really takes 
your capacity for suffering will increase. Amazingly, that professor would have agreed with Solomon. He would have agreed with this passage that is before us today in terms of the pursuit of knowledge and even of wisdom. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes 1, beginning with verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after when. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. How puzzling, Lord, as we read some of these words from Solomon's experience. And yet you saw fit to preserve them for us today. So, Lord, will you give us a right perspective? Give us understanding. We, too, seek and search for that. But we're coming to you for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he began with a search. Look at what he says. In verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I've applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Now, as he begins, and, you know, I am very conscious that there are a number of educators here in the church. I'm very conscious of that. You know what? I consider myself an educator as well. And so we've got to figure out, what, how does this apply for you educators and for you students? For any who would seek wisdom and knowledge. There is a major assumption in place here, and I would have to say that it's not very different than a major assumption that is prevalent in our society 
and really in most societies in the world that are not in terms of education considered backward. And that is, here's the assumption, that ignorance is our greatest enemy. The assumption, if, if only we can increase knowledge, our lives and world will have meaning and we'll all be a whole lot better off if we can increase knowledge. Makes sense. I grew up on that. I grew up with education as a, a high value in my life. Never liked school. Until seminary. I, I liked seminary pretty well. But before that, didn't like school one bit, but I heard that all of my life. We have seen uh, political types run on that premise. Education, that's what we need. We've probably voted for people because of that. The problem is there are societies that are much more educated than the United States that have little knowledge of God. And there are those with little education that seem to know God a whole lot more than our country. So where does that fit with what we ought to be pursuing? Solomon found something similar. Look what he says. He says, I applied my heart, de devoted. He set his heart to this task. And he says two things I, I set it to, to seek and to search. Now, some just see those as, as parallel. Others like to divide those words up, saying the seeking is, is a theoretical study. In other words, in investigating the roots of things and uh, that kind of knowledge. And then the searching out is the actual exploring, the experiential part of education. In, in any case, what we'd want to say is he, he's saying, I, I put everything out there. I put my whole self into this. No holds barred. Now, to some of you, that sounds great. Because there are some of you that love to learn. You're, you're curious. You love to read. Some of you are the kind that would say, you know, I've read about these people long ago that used to take these long ocean voyages and they, there wasn't anything that they could do and they just had books in one room and so they just read all day long on these long ocean voyages and some of you think, wow, that sounds great. I would love to do that. To not have any responsibilities, just to be able to take in all of this knowledge. Solomon wasn't that excited about it after he went through it. Look what he says. Verse 13. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. So he had the opportunity. He took it. And he says, you know, it's not that great. I, you know, looking back, I'm not that thrilled with it. Now, he has said other things about 
uh, wisdom and so on. In fact, if you look back in Proverbs uh, 3, listen to what he says in Proverbs 3, 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her, this is uh, 3.14, the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you can desire compare with her. Long life is at her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Uh, her ways are pleasantness, all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. You see there, he's saying that yeah, that's the great part about, about wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he shows the other side. The pursuit of knowledge. With that is the end. Malcolm Muggridge said this, education the great mumbo-jumbo and fraud of the ages, <laughs> he was a highly educated man, by the way, purports to equip us to live and is uh, prescribed as a universal remedy for everything from juvenile delinquency to premature senility. For the most part, it serves to enlarge stupidity, inflate conceit, enhance credulity, and put those subjected to it at the mercy of brainwashers with printing presses, radio, and television at their disposal. Malcolm Muggeridge on education, he could have written a part of Ecclesiastes 1. Where do we go with that? Look at the experience. Look at verse 14. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. Behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. I have seen. That, that, that word seen is used more than 20 times in this book. And, and what Solomon is saying is, look, this isn't theoretical that I'm telling you about. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Let me share with you from what I now know from the other side of this pursuit and what I didn't know before. What's he finding? All is vanity. You see, his problem was not a, a lack of wisdom, but when he obtained it, he said it's like chasing after the wind. That when I saw that phrase, that reminded me of when I was in elementary school for three years, we lived in El Paso, Texas. And in uh, uh, the, the schools there, the playgrounds, there was no grass. It was out in the middle of the desert, El Paso is. There's no grass, and the playgrounds were made up of little tiny fine gravel and dirt, dust. And if you've ever been in the desert, you know that there's lots of wind out there. And this is what would happen about every day or so uh, during recess. At least the little guys out there playing hoped it would happen. We would have come through what we called uh, dirt devils. Now, those were like mini tornadoes, whirlwinds. They, they couldn't suck anything up into the air, but, but they looked like tornadoes. And uh, what would happen when one would come into our playground, I had big playgrounds, there's lots of room out there. Uh, when one would come, some, some uh, little boy would point it out 
and all the little boys would go running to try to get in the middle of this uh, little tornado. And here's the thing. You know, if, if you got in the middle of it uh, and you were a sweaty little boy, you were just covered in, in dust the whole rest of the day. And, but that was a successful trip. <laughs> but what happened often was you'd go running for it and then it was gone. You, you couldn't catch it and it, you know, as quickly as it formed, it would be gone. And that's, that's really the, the picture that Solomon is giving us here. He's saying, that's what the pursuit of wisdom is like. I've pursued it and I had every opportunity, but I wanted to get that thing. And when I got there, it, it's like chasing the wind. You can't catch the wind. And he says, verse 15, what is crooked cannot be made straight, he's saying with wisdom. What's lacking cannot be counted. This is what we, we probably would call a, a counter-proverb. He's using a proverbial form that people of that day would have been familiar with, but teach a lesson opposite to what teachers of the day and our, our day probably would be saying. Look what he's saying. Wisdom can't make, it can't fix things can't change reality. It can, it can point out a problem, but it can't straighten out crooked or count what isn't there. This is the ancient way of saying, this overused saying, well, it is what it is. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. And wisdom can't change what it is. He goes on to talk about Achievements, verse 16. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. He says, look, I've, I've achieved it. I, I got my goal, but there was no breakthrough when I got it. It's like I got my degree and I was still the same old person. Verse 17, I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after the wind. There's that phrase again. That folly is, uh, it's not just lacking knowledge, it's behaving badly. You know, it's wildly out of, out of phase with the patterns that make for, you know, responsible conduct that we, we would say is responsible or he would have at that point, he said, I, I pursued that as well. And he's going to get into that more as, uh, as we go into Ecclesiastes. He said, that didn't work either. And so the conclusion, verse 18, for in much wisdom is much vexation. He who increases knowledge increases sorrow. There's another kind of counter-proverb. Uh, he expresses the emptiness of seeking knowledge for its own sake. Now, look at the word there. He uses the word sorrow. That word there it literally is this uh, a stinging, pounding pain. And he says, 
That's what I've got. Now, how can this be true? He who increases knowledge increases sorrow, or in much wisdom is much vexation. Let me give you some examples. Do you have the cares uh, when you were a child that you have now? (laughs) I think we'd all say no. When I was a child, remember how simple things seemed? I mean, they didn't seem simple to us, but when you look back or you see a child's life and so on. But then as you get older and you understand more about what's out there and the dangers and this and that and and uh, the, the kind of world that we live in. You know, as a, as a child, you didn't worry as much. Now, you might have worried, but if you were a worrier, then you're probably a, a big worrier now. You didn't worry as much because you didn't understand as much. I'll give you another example. You go to a choir performance, and... The choir is missing their notes. (laughs) They're off. They're missing their cues to come in. This is not our choir. This is not our choir. (laughs) This is some theoretical choir out there. But we've probably all heard that choir, haven't we? They're they're missing it. And, you know, they're they're doing what they can, but it's just it's just not coming together. Now. There are some people that will walk out of there and say, oh, you know, that just blessed my heart, didn't it? Yours? And they, they really will feel that way. You know who's going to enjoy it the least? The ones who understand music the most. The musicians. But the ones who don't understand it, they're freed up from all that, aren't they? They can just enjoy it and they can have their hearts are blessed and all of that and they're not distracted by by all of that. I'll give you a third example. Some of you know a lot about the stock market. And you're worriers, some of you. Some of you check it all the time. And it, it, it bothers you. Now, me, <laughs> you know what? I don't understand the stock market. I don't, I don't check it. If I checked it, I wouldn't know what I was looking at. And I don't worry a thing about it. Now, that's not because I'm spiritual. It's because I'm ignorant in that area. Now, is it going to affect me in the big picture? Oh, yeah, it is. But it's going to affect me whether I worry about it or not. Do you see how how knowledge can bring about vexation? (laughs) And that's what he's saying. He says, look, the more you know, if knowledge is, is what you're seeking after, the more you know, the more troubles it brings, the more sorrow it brings. So what do we conclude? Well, I already know what some of you teenagers are concluding. 
And you parents are saying, oh, great, you know. We've been trying to teach them, make something. You say, oh, you know, go to school. You got to do your homework and all that. And some of you teenagers are saying, yes. <laughs> Pastor Weldon and Solomon agree with me. I mean, that's going to be in the next argument, okay? Hold on before you apply it that way. That I should drop out of school and I just want to, you know, mom and dad, don't you want to save me from sorrow in my life? <laughs> you know, I was a teenager. I know how, how those arguments go. That's not it. You know, if the initial assumption was that ignorance is the greatest enemy of satisfaction and a better grasp of life. We don't want to fall off the other side of the canoe and, and say that, well, then ignorance is the answer. That's, it doesn't work that way. So let's look at the way we're going to apply this each week, and that is the above-the-sun perspective. We've talked about the under-the-sun, about living in this life. And we see what Solomon says. You know, when that's my pursuit, listen, he would say, it didn't work. I didn't get what I'd hoped for. But we look at all of Scripture as a whole. What is the above the sun perspective? Blaise Pascal said, uh, unbelievers think they have made great efforts to get at the truth when they've spent a few hours in reading some book out of the Holy Scripture and have questioned some cleric about the truths of the faith. After that, they boast that they have searched in books and among men in vain. What he was saying is that, you know, when it comes to searching for that which is really important, people just do it in a cursory way. I've, I tried reading the Bible. I didn't get anything out of it. I talked to some preacher. He was a hypocrite. I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to listen to him. Pascal said, you know, that's how most people, on the thing that is the most important thing in life, that's how most will pursue it. So what is the above-the-sun perspective? As I mentioned to you, Solomon said other things elsewhere about wisdom. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What he is saying in Ecclesiastes is that the problem of the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge is when they are the end in themselves. When we think that somehow... If I can achieve this knowledge, then I will find meaning and, and God. And Solomon said, it's the opposite of that. You're going at it the wrong way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of real knowledge. Look, better education is a good value to have. And, you know, we got to understand historically. 
Christianity has always been, in its whole history, been responsible for more and better education. There is no other faith group that is as responsible for the advancement of education as Christianity. You know, John Calvin, it it keeps going back to him and to the Reformation that thrusts that we want all people to have an education. You know, the whole Sunday school movement was school for those that couldn't have school. Christianity, you know, the, the, the institutions in our country, educational institutions, the vast majority were begun with a Christian thrust. The early primers were all Christ-centered. Now that has changed. But I'm saying all that just to say, look, Christianity is not anti-education ever. But if we pursue wisdom in hopes of finding meaning and finding God, you will be frustrated. If you seek God, you begin to find wisdom. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That's knowledge. That is wisdom. There are those in our country that would say knowledge is power. The Word of God, 1 Corinthians 1. But to those who are called, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. Then, the one who dwells in us is the one who knows everything, the omniscient one, the all-wise God. Let's bow together.